For me, when war has started, I couldn't uh, make any art because I was so worried about my niece, who is also three, four years old, uh, little girl, and I was worried about my friends, about my parents. So I couldn't do, I couldn't make any art stuff. After two months, in the end of April, when I came back to Kiev, I was full of ideas. So I wanted to express myself finally because. I saw my parents, I saw my niece, I saw a lot of my friends, they're okay, everyone is alive. Okay, now I can express myself better, now I can have my place, because I couldn't find peaceful place, it's, it's difficult. And I just, okay, it doesn't matter, anything, I just wanted to create. Hi and welcome to a new episode of the Yellow Van Stories. I'm your host and driver, Bastian. We are very happy and grateful that you have found your way onto the Yellow Van again today. We've been waiting just for you and kept your usual seat by the window side. After Russia's invasion of Ukraine, the topic of the second season became very clear to us. We decided to invite Ukrainians into the van to share their stories with us and to learn more about Ukraine's cultural identity because too often it has been appropriated by a chauvinistic Russian narrative. The same narrative that now serves as a pretense to the war. So supporting Ukraine, in our opinion, therefore has a very strong cultural dimension as well. Fonzie's in first ski already and we are good to go. So buckle up and sit back because today we're going to meet Gayane in New York. Hello and welcome to a new episode of the Yellow Van Stories. Today with us is Gayane Arushanyan, a multidisciplinary artist from Kiev. Hi, Gayane. It's such a pleasure to have you today. Hi, Bastian. Thank you so much for inviting me to be here with you. <laughs> Thank you for taking the time. It's really, I am so happy. I Because to be honest with you, I, I you know, when I found your art and I found you, um, I was just so taken in by what you do, and uh, and and I I feel it's an amazing privilege that you are here today that we can talk about your art a little bit, um, what you do, how you got into it. I'm very much looking forward to it. So glad you are here. Thank you so much. I hope we will have uh, we will have a nice time discussing everything. <laughs> Absolutely. We will. I have no doubt about it. And therefore, just so the listeners get a bit of an idea for who you are, what you do, um, I've just written a little bit of an introduction um, and I'll read it out. And if there is anything I got wrong, by the way, let me know. Um, and then you can rectify it right afterwards. Um, but, uh, you know, I hope I didn't. Let's see. Let's see how, how, how well I did this time. Okay. 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 All right. Gayane Arushanyan is a multidisciplinary artist from Kyiv. She is the founder of the School of Experimental Art in Kyiv and the G-Art Studio in Saporizhia. Gayane is not only an outstanding artist, she also has a master's in urban construction and design and economic cybernetics from the Saporizhia State Engineering Academy. Her mathematical knowledge, together with her artistic eye and love for color, enables her to create shapes, forms and color patterns oscillating between harmony and chaos. She herself says about her art, I have always believed that art was and it is the source, the way, the opportunity to be honest with myself and the world around. Equilibrium is about finding the balance of the image of the world, the world within. 
color, shapes, and composition are the only criteria of harmony for me. There's an ideal state of the world around, and it's chaos. And all of this is in the indefinite darkness that you and I reveal every day. Gayane was born in Armenia and had to flee her home when the first war between Armenia and Azerbaijan broke out. And in our prep call, she said that the Russian invasion of Ukraine on the 24th of February last year made a lot of those memories resurface. So today we want to take a look at Gayane's very personal story of becoming an artist, the Ukrainian art world in a more general way, and the challenges it faces because of the war. And a lot more, of course. So it is a great pleasure and privilege to have you with us in the yellow van today, Gayane. Welcome aboard. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you for inviting me. It's, uh, well, thank you for coming. That's, you know, the invitation is the one thing, but taking the time is 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 marvelous, especially, and this is what we're going to get into right away. You are, where are you right now? Actually, you should say where you are right now. Yeah, I'm uh, in New York now. I came here. Um, okay, not New York in general. I'm in New York now, but I came to U.S. months ago. Uh, I came here to to see the city, to see life here, to find some opportunities to go forward, to show my art and um, show my experience I have and I ha and I had in my life. Yeah, you have an exhibition as well, don't you? In in New York, there's I an exhibition. Had Yes, I had a small exhibition in New York in, uh, I would say it was a night party of the art collectioners of New York where I had uh, an exhibition. And also I uh, took part in another exhibition which calls um, Design on a Dime. All right, that's a nice name. Design on a dime. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so it was, it was a group exhibition, I suppose. Yeah. Then. The second one yeah. was a group, group exhibition. And the first one was uh, only my like sole exhibition, but it was very private exhibition. Well, like only for uh, invited people. Still, so that's that's even even more of a privilege than to see your art there. Is it is it actually your first exhibition in New York, or have you have you had exhibitions before there? In New York, no, never. I had before an exhibition group exhibition in Chicago in ARC Gallery, but yes. never in US. Oh, that must be very exciting for you. Oh to, yeah, to be there to <laughs> see it, it is isn't exciting. it? Yeah, I mean, New is. York is like the the you know the 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 dreamland in a way. You know, the biggest city, such a striving, uh, such a such a you know colorful and powerful art scene um, to be exhibiting there. It must be uh, a dream yeah. come true in a way, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was dreaming to see New York, and I, actually, I've never dreamed to see New York in um, in such situation. But anyway, I'm so excited that. Oh my God! I'm here. I'm, New I'm in New York, and I can uh, not can. I had an exhibition in New York, and I can see all this beautiful architecture, which inspires me a lot, and uh, history, and everything, and possibilities, opportunities. This is this is inspiration. Amazing! I'm very happy that that's uh, you know f for you, and it's it's also nice to start off on such a such a beautiful and positive note. Um, that you are there and you're exhibiting. I think that's a wonderful, a wonderful entry into our conversation. Um, 
So just also on, a, on another note a little bit, because I do this with all my guests, right? Because also to remember what, what is going on in Ukraine at the same time. Um, how, how are you doing otherwise? And also family, friends, how, is, how are you, 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 you know, your immediate environment? How, is, how, how are things for you at the moment? Um, so mm, last night, uh, Russia fired three cities where my my parents, my friends, and some of my relatives living. So they fired Zaporizhia, where my parents are living, and thanks God they're okay. Um, also, they fired Kiev, where is my sister living, and uh, all of my friends living, and uh, thanks God they're also okay. And also Odessa, where is my close friends living. So again, they're alive. You know, when people ask me, how are they? The only question I have, they are alive. I can't say how are they, because um, also when I was in Ukraine, uh, this feeling that uh, you already adapted to to the war. And actually, it's awful. It's it's not okay to be adapted to, to this kind of uh, situation. But I have no other answer. I've had this before, you know, it, 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 it sounds, it, it, like, for me, like it's very hard to imagine that you would get, a, a, you know, accustomed to something like war, but I've heard it before from, from other people I've interviewed. And, uh, and, and that is, I think, um, you know, the, 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 an actual tragedy that you have to get used to something like this, this uncertainty yeah. and, and, you know, the not knowing of any kind of future and, uh, and, and this constant fear also, um, of for your loved ones, for friends, family, um, it's hardly imaginable for me. I, I, I can't do it, and, and it's always very sad for me uh, and tragic to hear it. Um, does does giving and it just also, should, but does being in New York at the moment give you a little bit of of a, of a relief to this? Like, is this um, being away from Ukraine and in New York, where you know you are safe? Um, does it give you some sort of relief, or does the worry of about people in Ukraine, your loved ones, um, overwhelm the feeling of the, you know, the positive feeling um, of being in New York? I think I can control myself. So it's not, uh, uh, I'm not getting uh, to panic quickly. So um, it's not overwhelming. But at the same time, uh, I'm thinking a lot about my parents, about my friends, about people are dying. As you know, I think you read about last news in Kherson, about 30 people died and in Uman, and uh, also about 20, 23 people died. So um, anyway, maybe I don't know that people, yes, but I'm thinking about that because this is the place I was born. This is the people I, I know, like, in general, this is about uh, Ukrainian people. So um, I'm thinking about that, like, oh, maybe it's just human part of me. You know, it's, it's okay to think about this. But also thinking about my parents and about my friends. Um, I'm, just, I'm just trying to be calm. And also, at the same time, I understand that nothing is in my hand everything i can do i'm doing my best everything but 
I can't, you know, just stop the war. I can't. Unfortunately, I can't do it. So this is the feelings I have. But I have say, uh, I feel safe in New York. Uh, and even more in New York, I feel like I'm in Kiev. I don't know. New York oh, really? has this. Yes, has this energy. You know, everything is fast. Somehow, I I share these feelings uh, about New York as about Kiev. So I feel. And I feel even lonely here. I don't know. I don't know why, <laughs> but I don't feel lonely here in this city. That's uh, that's very nice to hear. I'm sure you meet a lot of people as well, also through the exhibitions and people wanting to meet you. And you know who who is this woman that paints these amazing amazing images? So I'm sure you have you have enough. Uh, you know, people coming and going and and saying their hellos. And I'm sure you're not bored. Um, Exhibitions yeah. are a wonderful thing in that sense because you meet a lot of new people, right? Yeah. If you, because I said in your introduction as well um, that you were actually from, um, from you were born in Armenia and you had to leave the country at three years old because of uh, the first war between Azerbaijan and Armenia. And you said a lot of the feelings from back then have resurfaced a little bit or it reminded you of that to some degree. Um, can you describe a little bit how how it reminded you how it took you back to that time um i remember in 2014 when uh, war has started in donbas uh i was living with my parents in zaporizhia and we have this um i don't know how they call it they just were practicing air raid sirens in every city of ukraine and I remember I was uh, in a public transport and uh, in the city center, I've heard that air raid Syrian and it was such a flashback to my childhood. And I can't explain that this is the thing you just, you just feel in it because I was too small to maybe to understand. Yes, but I felt that. So... I had that first flashback in 2014 uh, in Zabrizia and the same time, not the same time, and also the same flashback I had um, on February 24, uh, 24 uh, when war, actually not war, full um, escalation, yes, uh, in Ukraine started, invasion, invasion. Yeah started in Ukraine and um, actually I woke up at five o'clock because I've heard the explosions uh, and there was this uh, these explosions were explosions in Borispil where is uh, the most important airport of Ukraine is situated and uh, about between 7 and 8 a.m. I heard Again, that air raid sirene, and again, uh, I, I felt that feelings, and it was, uh, it wasn't panic. It was, I don't know. It's like something between life and death, you know, something between these two lines. This is the feeling I can express like like this. Uh, but then I understand like. No panic. If it starts now, uh, I should do something. 
So I just understand, okay, my first uh, aid kit, my everything, like my clothes, everything I need, my documents, I prepared everything. And uh, I was ready, I don't know, for everything. At that time, I've heard that um, air raid scene, I was ready for everything. But I was trying not to panic. So I just, you know, I think I left the feelings in the past. And I understand that, understood that all I have is now. And now I should be strong. I'm not that little kid. No, I'm not three, four years old. Now I'm strong and I can do everything um, I can do <laughs> now and um, prepared all my stuff to be ready for for war and to go to the shelter. I don't know. Yes. You know, what you also said is because you started off with 2014 and, and we have pointed it out before in this podcast as well, I think in order to understand the current war and the invasion of Russia in, in Ukraine, you have to actually go back to 2014 and see this as a conflict that was actually started back then, not in 2022. It was just a frozen conflict, but it was the same war that is going on now uh, that was actually started in 2014. Would you agree with that? Yes, of course. Of course. It wasn't frozen. It was going on, just uh, it was in Donbass. It wasn't frozen. That I meant I, geographically, yeah. but you are absolutely right. That wasn't the best term. Yes, you're absolutely right. Yeah. Very, very good yeah. to point that out. Yeah. Um, so that's why I, I wanted to say that just in that in that context, because we we come across this a lot of the times, and I do believe really a key in understanding what is happening is is in in not making the mistake of just starting this in 2022. A lot of the times, also, I hear nobody really wanted to believe that this is really imminent, that this might happen, right? On on 24th of February, how was it for you? Did you did you see something like this coming, or were you surprised surprised as everybody else when when the news struck you? Um, it wasn't surprised for me, but uh, I didn't believe it's possible. It's 21st century, you know, um, and it's it's the center of Europe. Uh, I couldn't believe it's possible such a full-scale invasion. Um, because of my experience with uh, Armenia, I understand that it happened somewhere on the borders, somewhere close to Russia, uh, just politically, but the full invasion and Ukraine is such a huge country, I couldn't just imagine. So when we uh, heard uh, news, when we read the news in newspaper and everywhere about uh, full invasion, that Russia is going to uh, invade Ukraine. And I was like, no, no, it's not impossible. It, it's not impossible. But then, when uh, full invasion started, okay, I understand. If it started, it means that it will not uh, finish so soon. Like yes. many politicians, as you know, said, like two, three weeks. No, 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 it's not going to um, finish so soon. How did it make you feel? Was it was it um, like because being ready is kind of neutral, if I think about it. Uh, being ready is about feeling 
uh, about one of the feelings inside of me, but at the same time, I was so angry about that. Like, how, how did just, I had a lot of questions in my head. And uh, also, by the way, uh, in 2014, I wrote a poem, which are just questions. And uh, it was like, how it's possible, why people should die, and why it's happening in 21st century. I had a lot, a lot of questions. I still have that, a lot of questions. Oh, me but, too. <laughs> yes. Uh, but at the same time, uh, it was like, I'm ready, I don't know, to fight with uh, my... Um, my feelings because I didn't want to be weak uh, because I saw a lot of people who were in stress, who were in panic, and I understand, okay, I'm not that kind of people, that kind of, I don't know, people are different. And some of them didn't see the war and some of them didn't feel the feelings I feel. So now I should be strong and I can help some people to be stronger than they are now because they they are not uh they're in panic and they need my help wow it seems you're very clear nonetheless like your your mind was 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 very clear that's that's amazing yeah. even though yeah I, I also hear that surprisingly from from a lot of people that anger is an is is an emotion that most people felt as well uh and including me as well i felt so incredibly angry and uh and you know and i was so far away nonetheless and but i felt such an anger that day and the following days and i still do so i absolutely relate to that um i'd like to turn our attention a little bit away from the immediacy of the water and go a little back to how it started with you as well when you were three years old and you left armenia and came to ukraine right ukraine is a is a is a multi-ethnic state with a lot of different cultural influences which makes ukraine an incredibly interesting um uh, country to study to 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 understand to try and understand in my case actually uh, more than anything so um how was it do you do you remember your moment of arrival in Ukraine? How it felt for you to be there at three years old, or is that too long ago? Uh, no, I remember a lot of things. I don't know. I don't know how. <laughs> Maybe because <laughs> I'm uh, the person who uh, I don't know who, who feel uh, some who have very very deep feelings about something, and uh, I understand it through through the. I don't know, through the space, through the thoughts, through, I don't know, some uh, some feelings of other people. So that's why, I don't know, I think maybe because of this, uh, I remember a lot of things. So um, oh, the second time we came to Ukraine, because it was two times. First we came to Ukraine and then we came back again to Armenia because it was very hard for my father and my mother to to start something uh, in Ukraine because we were three kids. I can't even imagine that. I have no kids now, but I can't imagine how it is difficult. And uh, second time, when we so we, when we came back, my grandfather and grandmother, they said, you will not find a peace and you will not find a good job 
to raise your kids. So go back to Ukraine and start a new life there. So we came back. We came back again to Ukraine, and uh, we came to Ukraine through. Um, we had no any flights in Armenia. Everything was was closed, and uh, um, and somehow uh, my uncle has some connections in the airport, and with um, military helicopter, we uh, we had a flight to Ukraine with, uh, I guess, Ukrainian soldiers, and uh, I remember uh, when it was. It was in uh, airport, by the way, which is uh, fired by Russia now. Uh, and I remember that way from airport to the place we should stay with my uncle because he was here. And uh, it was like, wow, it was like, a, a, you know, fresh air. Uh, but at the same time, it was so new to me. Uh it was very new because I was a little kid, and I've never seen all these, uh, all these landscapes and everything. But I remember, I definitely remember. You know, I would say the the plot uh, of the scene where my uncle, my mom, with with three of us, is going to. Uh, to the place where where we should stay, and then and then how how was how was the, the the settling in for you? Obviously, everything had just kind of, I wouldn't say fallen apart at all because you had your family, right? So you have this this thing, thing this which is creating this continuity. I think in these times, right, where everything feels like everything is changing, and I think it is so important to have that. I think this is uh, what gives one really the, the safety security that helps one deal with in these situations very much. Um, so your family was that nucleus that you had, but other than that, what were your first impressions of Ukraine? Like, um, did it feel foreign to you? Did you feel like, um, did you regret coming there? Would you have loved to go back? How, how was your, your emotional uh, state at that time? I think, um, uh, I was I was a kid, just three three four years old kid, and um, because of this, uh, like uh, I had no experience, you know, of comparing because this is new. Life is too new. Three years old, yeah. So I think we compare with something when we had um, big experience to compare, and when we um, when we are an adult. We compare even more than when we are kids. So uh, I didn't compare it with Armenia because I didn't understand. Uh, actually, I think I didn't understand what what it was. But as my mother told, uh, we had a lot a lot of difficulties. Um, we were living. Like, Five of us in one room. Uh, we had no good food to eat. Uh, I had no a lot of I don't know toys or dolls like kids have now. You know, <laughs> for example, like my niece have <laughs> plenty of them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's why for me it was 
it was so new, so I didn't understand uh, something difficult. But how my parents told us it was really very hard, um, very hard times, very difficult times. But for me, it wasn't that difficult because I wasn't thinking about life. I was thinking about having my good day. I don't know, go to, go to, I don't know, to have fun with kids or, yeah. I don't know. Very, very was, simple things. That was an excellent answer to my question because, yes, you're absolutely right. I am asking this question from an adult point of view to a, a girl that was three years old at the time. Absolutely. It's a completely different story. So um, that's, uh, yeah, obviously. So that was an excellent answer to put that in perspective. I mean, you speak Ukrainian, right? You speak Armenian. Your dad yes. was always yes. very adamant of you talking Armenian at home um, yes. because yes. he wanted you to stay in touch, obviously, with with uh, Armenian culture and, and yeah. the identification with it as well and you speak right. russian as well because saporizhia is a very uh, russian speaking area in ukraine right um yeah yeah so this you are a testament to this multi-ethnicity uh of of the ukrainian state right um how do you it, like if you put it all together and having grown up there like this with many different influences that you have how is how does this multi-ethnicity for Ukraine pose opportunities and also challenges? What would you say? Maybe start with, with the challenges, or are there any challenges? Oh, yeah. Uh, it was a huge challenge for me to speak Russian with kids in a school. Uh, so, I'm so sorry. Uh, I have a podcast. Sorry. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'll talk to you uh, later. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm see, sorry. You're, see, you're very, you're very popular, and you meet a lot of people. You see, that's what we <laughs> yeah. said in the beginning. <laughs> yeah, just I'm stay, I'm staying uh, with the family of my friends, and they are very, um, they are so lovely people. You know, I feel very comfortable with them. So very it's, nice. Uh, uh, it's morning here, so they just every time. I know it's. It's quite early morning. I think it's eight o'clock, half past eight. Yeah, it's eight side, isn't it? yeah. yeah, my word. Yeah. And you're already doing a podcast. I take my hat off to you. At half past eight, I'm barely <laughs> awake usually. I have my first <laughs> cup of coffee and I am just, uh, you know, just don't ask me any questions because you won't get uh, a, a good, a, any usable reply. Yes. Okay. So amazing. Well done. Um, okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to ask you next time when I help us have podcasts. Perfect. Perfect. Um, so we, we're talking about the, the multi-ethnicity because also just quickly, because yeah. Ukraine is the center of Europe, right? We very often speak of Eastern Europe, but actually if you look at it, it's very much the center and there have been motions of people like throughout history. And, you know, you have Armenian, you have large Jewish, Russian, Ukrainian communities and all of them in contact with the other Tatars, uh, you know, Muslim influences, the Mongols were there, you know, it's, it's, it's crazy, like over the centuries, how much, how many different influences there were. So that's also why I'm asking the questions, especially out of your perspective, because it's, it, I'm very interested to hear. So having experienced all of that, and especially also Saporizhia, where there's a lot of things coming together, um, also, the first independent movement of of uh, Ukraine actually started there, the the Khmelnytsky uprising, if I if I remember correctly. So, how was it for you to to 
to grow up there? And what do you see as the, the challenges this multi-ethnicity uh, brings with it, as well as the opportunities, of course, because I think, uh, I do believe the opportunities overwhelm, but how do you see it? Um, first, it was uh, one challenge I had when I was a little kid, like four or five years old. I remember it because I couldn't speak any Russian, any Ukrainian. So I came to Ukraine with my family, but my mother and my father, they're talking Russian because um, in Armenia, they were studying Russian. Yeah, but I didn't know any Russian. I was just talking Armenian language and it just, it, it's not actually Armenian, it's dialect. So because in Armenia, in Nagorno-Karabakh, which is Artsakh, we have dialects. So this is a huge dialect. And even Armenians sometimes don't understand this dialect. <laughs> so the first challenge for me was to talk with kids. And I remember uh, I didn't understand what's the difference between he and she, because in Armenian, we have no he, she. We have another, uh -huh. like, yes. So it was my first challenge. And then uh, also I remember that feelings uh, that I was different. Uh, in my class and in, in, at school, I was different from other kids. <laughs> I was black, <laughs> like like now, <laughs> yeah. Like uh, and uh, I remember being myself uh, so different that I was thinking about that a lot. Why I'm so different? Uh, I had a lot of questions in my head. Why? 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 I, I always ask myself why. <laughs> I think that's yes, a very so, good question. Very underrated oh, yeah. often, to be honest with you. Yeah, why is a is. very good question. Yes. Yeah. Maybe because of this, I'm an artist. <laughs> that could, there could be a connection. Yes, there could definitely yes. be a connection, I think. <laughs> yes. So, um, after... Um, when I was a kid, I didn't meet any other nationalities. But when I uh, grew up, uh, I understand I need someone like me. I need Armenians because our culture was a bit different. Uh, and uh, I wanted to speak uh, Armenian with people. I wanted to express myself better. I mean, not just using language, but also not just not because of language, but also because of culture. Because when you are talking some language with someone, uh, it means this person understands you not just with words, but also with feelings. At the same time, I understand when I'm talking Ukrainian, it's another mentality, I would say. When I'm talking Armenian, it's another mentality. So at the same time, I was talking Russian, Ukrainian, and Armenian, and it was completely different people. And I wanted to express myself also in Armenian with kids like me and with uh, also with teens like me. So I was so excited to meet a friend uh, who is Armenian and uh, I will talk Armenian and I will express myself and everything. But uh, it was difficult because I have only my sisters and cousins and I want, uh, I don't know, I want more friends. <laughs> so um, when I was 70 years old, uh, my brother said that, you know, 
uh, I have some friends and they are going to organize um, Armenian organization. They want, they want to make Armenian organization in Zaporizhia. And I said, wow, <laughs> cool. I want, I want to be a part of it. So I went there and everything starts. Like it was so interesting for me. It was like just one part of me. Armenian part of me, and uh, I I still have a lot of friends from this Armenian organization, which called Urartu, the Parisia Armenian uh, Youth Organization. So we were doing a lot of stuff. Uh, like uh, we had um, li- literature nights, we ha- evenings, sorry, literature evenings. We had. Um, we had lessons in Armenian school. We had, uh, I don't know, evenings, appointments with Armenians, a lot of stuff. So it was very interesting. But at the same time, I met a lot of different nationalities. I met Tatars, I met Uzbeks, uh, Kazakhi people, um, Muslim people, um, German people. A lot of different nationalities because we was working with them. We were just one part of this huge, big family. Yeah. Yes. So uh, I think uh, at 17, 18 years old, I was quite adult to understand uh, that they are different and the culture are different, but we are living in Ukraine and this is good and we can... Um, express our thoughts, feelings, and uh, share our culture. And and that's obviously how it should be. So would you say that this is something that has, um, you know, I, I always believe language breeds empathy, right? When you learn in another language, you, it helps you to bridge over, to understand something that before you obviously didn't understand, but not just on a language level, but also on a very human level. Um, so is that maybe one of the one of the opportunities also in, in Ukraine um, that because because obviously we also know enough examples where uh, those differences can also breed challenges and can you know be politically very challenging. What do you think is overweighing in in Ukraine at the moment? Is it more the challenges or is it more the the opportunities? Maybe also in, before the background of the war now because I think that's also. Um, done something to really uniting Ukraine in a way with, through this outside pressure, as far as I can tell. But you should know better than me, obviously. So how do you see that? Uh, definitely um, all these challenges united Ukrainians. And um, uh, I, I, I didn't just felt it. I, I didn't just feel it. I understand that when... When I went to um, Western Ukraine, when war has started, and then I went to Odessa and went then to Zaporizhia. And then in the end of April 2022, I went to Kiev and I saw, you know, not just saw, I, I feel that power, I felt that power of people. And uh, I, I understand that, oh my God, how Ukraine is powerful. People help each other. Even if you are outside there, are you okay? Do you need something? And and everything. Uh, for me, this this thing was one of the reasons uh, I was staying there like such a long time. 
because I wanted to do something. I wanted also to help people. I wanted, I want to um, leave something from from me. I mean, something that will would will help people and maybe somehow war. I don't know. It's I don't know. I understand. It just it's not one person, but anyway. Yes. So Ukraine's multicultural um, statement, yeah. Um, it's it's somehow it somehow you know gives me opportunity and gives me thoughts that um, Ukraine is in the middle of Europe and a lot of people live in here Ukrainians and Russians and Armenians and a lot of different other nationalities so how Russian Russia which also have the same nationalities can uh, can invade Ukraine so I would say almost the same people so for example Armenians in Russia w- w- fighting with Armenians in Ukraine it, so it's it's not a war between just Russia and uh, Ukraine it's it's a big war because a lot of nationalities uh, living in Ukraine and at the same time in Russia and uh, when we heard the stories about Chechens who uh, were fighting for Russia. And at the same time, we know a lot of people like Chechens in Ukraine. And I was thinking, so what are they going to do if they will meet somewhere in the front line? For me, it was a question. Uh, I think in 21st century, when everything is so mixed, uh, war is just, I don't know, it's, it's just... It's the thing we shouldn't have had. That's all. I don't know. Yes. It's difficult. <laughs> I know it's always difficult to talk about opportunities in in a time of war where people are dying and, and bombs are being dropped and rockets are being launched. Uh, I, I am fully aware of that. But... Is there maybe something, could this also be the opportunity in this for me to, to come to a, a better intercultural communication in a way and, and in Ukraine? Is there an opportunity like that, you think? Um, I think different because I understand that everything has two sides. At the same time, it's opportunity of um, making Ukraine better. But at the same time, for other people, it's... Uh, it's the reason to divide, to separate people. So I think we should have very deeply uh, about um, about our origin in Ukraine, and um, doesn't matter who we are. Uh, I'm the citizen of Ukraine. It means I'm Ukrainian, but at the same time I'm Armenian. But in this case, uh, I should think like Ukrainian. I should think like for what will be better for Ukraine and will be better um, for peace in Ukraine. Absolutely. 
I, you know, I also think about, and this is the only way to look at it. In my, this is this should be the premise, uh, the number one sponsoring thought of everything of of, of every action, right? Obviously, um, I mean, obviously to most of us, not obvious to some. Otherwise, this this war would have never uh, taken place. But I'm also thinking just because I I feel there's one tremendous failure, one amazingly beautiful failure in the thinking of 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 Vladimir Putin um to put it this way because he felt i think that he could divide the people in ukraine with pro russian propaganda and he thought that he would actually get like the russian speaking ukrainian population to his side so they would support his cause and ukraine would fall a lot easier because of that but that yeah. was a big failure because and this is Bring us back to you know the original question that I had, because people united behind the idea of an independent Ukraine, a free independent Ukraine, and and that the war is still ongoing. Actually, has a lot to do with people saying no to this propaganda, no to this war, no matter where they stand culturally, and 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 I think therefore um, Ukraine is for me, such an incredible example of how um, that can work and how it can actually enrich and overcome all these outside forces once you gather behind an idea that is not sponsored by just culture, not sponsored by where you're from, uh, identity or social whereabouts, but an idea that's really rooted in freedom and independence and peace. Right. And and this is what unites us all. And I think Ukraine is a prime example for that. And with that, I will close this very long-winded question that I asked you. Does it make sense what I said in the end? This is the most important question because you know much more about this than I am. I'm just, you know, uh, I have a half a mind of studying Ukrainian history and stuff. And I love it very much, but you know Ukraine. So does it make any sense what I said? It it makes, it makes <laughs> a huge sense. <laughs> Thank you it very is. much. Okay, it with is. that, with that, with, uh, with having taken that turn now a little bit, um, I would actually step away now a little bit from the political side of it. And I would very much like to talk more about your painting because and your art because your painting and your art <laughs> is absolutely marvelous and beautiful and i love it very much when i discovered it i was like i definitely want to talk to this artist because i i, I it, it will be a privilege now you're here today and i'm very happy about that um do you do you actually remember when you first picked up a brush yeah <laughs> yeah yeah when, when was that yeah. i remember not just this i remember when so I was inspired. I was 10 years old and I saw um, the, um, a friend of mine who are my neighbor. She was painting and I saw first painting of her and I was like, wow, <laughs> I would like to, <laughs> I would like to do this. <laughs> this is, I remember. And first and first brush and my first painting, I remember. Very nice. Uh, like, do you remember the feeling? What it was like to first, uh, yeah, like you know, put your brush and paint and just you know go on a canvas or a, blood, a piece of paper. Probably it wasn't a canvas right away, I suppose. Yeah. Um, it, yeah. It, it was a piece of paper, and yeah. I remember it was challenging for me, but at the same time it was so interesting. Like, oh wow, <laughs> this is how it should be, <laughs> or like, oh wow. It has some 
I don't know, it has some rules. Oh, this is how I, I can show leaves. And this is how yeah. I can show, I don't know, a b- beautiful sky. And it was like, I didn't know about that. I was so deep in this uh, emotions and feelings to, um, to create. So I didn't even think about future. I just wanted to do now what what I'm doing. <laughs> that's all. That's that's and that's how it all starts. Obviously, I would like to know from because this is also a very interesting question. Like because I've I said in the beginning, right? You actually have a master's in uh, urban construction and design and in economic cybernetics, right? That's something yeah. that you would say from you know just from the surface. That's like the the opposite of of you know of art in a way it's very mathematical it's very structured it's uh, even though obviously there's enough examples of art where this is perfectly combined mondrian who you say is is one of your one your one of your big inspirations as well but when was it first that you that you studied this first and then you brought the the art in or did you paint and you thought ah maybe mathematics could enrich my art which way was it around or didn't you even um, think like that Uh, no, I was thinking, uh, but I was uh, thinking differently. So uh, first I was just creating and uh, painting and everything. And uh, then I studied economical cybernetics and uh, construction design, architecture engineering. It was one specialization. And uh, after many years, like four or five years, I was trying to... Um, understand what I feel about this painting, what I'm doing. And I came to to the conclusion that everything is so connected and I can see math here. I can see the rules of the nature in my paintings, in my abstract art. And this is what I want to explore and research in um in my career in my um in my uh, artworks yes in my yeah. artworks let's say like this because yeah yeah i don't like the word career either by the way it's yeah, i don't it's, know it's it's something i don't know it's uh, something about it it's like something so ambitious about it in a way and and i think um when you paint you you paint and uh, you know i don't know at least that's that's how i see it so i, yeah, I can totally I, relate to that yeah. much better, be better than than career in that sense um that's uh, that's you know I, i mean what it makes me think of first of all and i is like the fibonacci series for instance right it's like This, these these numbers, uh, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I will link to that um, with the superficial knowledge that I have of it. But it's just a, a chain of numbers that create a certain kind of um, aesthetic ratio, basically. Like the golden ratio, for instance, is based on that. So this is one great example. You can actually bring mathematics and aesthetics and art together. And I think there are many, many more. Um, do you do you some do you do you have some sort of um, how can i put this uh, some some tools that you return to like uh, in your in your um composition of artworks or do you always um try something else do you even make some mathematical equations for when you paint or something like that how, how just how is your process a little bit um you know uh when i 
starting just painting or creating something because it's not just painting also i'm doing sculptures i'm doing um installations uh not big but installations uh and uh, i never think about the topic okay let's go to show this because i wanted to be more natural so i think i have already everything in my head in my brain and in my thoughts and in my feelings and i just turn off everything <laughs> turn off my thoughts yeah really i feel like that because i can't remember when for example if it's about abstract art when i take some of the paintings and i'm looking that i'm looking at that i can't remember the process i was so deep in the process that i can't even remember how i created this so um, only after that i understand that this is this is just my thoughts about for example equilibrium it's about balance or for example i've created something and i understand oh this is my thoughts like two years ago i was thinking about this about that and i understand okay this is my thoughts about factorial this is also one of the rules in math uh or for example okay this is about isomorphism it's how also... does it work t t can you take us through one of those ideas for instance like like um how, how do you how do you apply it oh um, or is it I is think... it a little yes Oh, it's, it's try, difficult. Try it. it's, yeah, it's <laughs> I, I difficult. Know. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't shy away from posing a proper challenge to my guests. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, for example, factorial um, at school and also at, uh, in academy, uh, we learned. Yes, we studied all these rules of math. And uh, we didn't even understand how it works. You know, a lot of kids at school, they ask themselves, why they need this? I don't know, these formulas, all this stuff. I don't need it. But I remember when uh, I studied math uh, at my at university, we had a very good, just excellent uh, teacher. He was so in love with math. He was just... I don't know, I would say mm, angry, you know, or and also hungry about math. He was like, oh, look at this, look at that. He was explaining us what all of these formulas, what all of these numbers means. And uh, some of the function we use, uh, we used, we didn't understand, like, what's the practice, what's the practice part of this? numbers and functions and then he explained us that this function actually um, help us to imagine some shape it's very difficult to explain for example line in functions and in formulas but it's difficult to for example to explain like so, i don't know some shape with uh, curved lines and everything but shape for example it has some it's just sphere and then it goes to some maybe some strict lines so 
we didn't understand why we need this function. And ha- then he just explained that, and I understand that everything, every rule of math is visual. And what I was doing, I was just trying to express my thoughts about this function through art. And that helps me to understand nature and laws of the nature better because everything is connected. So just nature and math and art, all these, all these three are connected. So, so maths is a, is in a way a, a tool for you to get to the essence of of nature, of the the yeah. world, the world formula yeah. in a way, if you will. Yeah, right? and art, math, math, yes. uh, math, and art. Yes. <laughs> yes, but but the way that you are doing it, they're one and the same: art and maths, in a way, right? They yes, are, they right. are, they are, they they talk to each other. They are, they are not disconnected, like I said, because in the beginning I said that you know you would think that maths is like the exact opposite of art. But you just completely took that statement apart, thank you for that, by the way, and said, no, this is just something that somebody would say that hasn't studied maths and is not very good at painting, like myself, and that there is actually a very, very strong connection and a codependence there. And this is uh, this is wonderful. I'm taking that with me today. So this was, uh, for me, already very insightful. Um, thank, thank you very you. much. Um, for taking us a little bit on the journey as well of of, of how you how you um, you create uh, your artwork, um, I already said your your strong influences you say are um, Basquiat, Mondrian, and also Monet, which is also a very interesting mixture, I believe, because Mondrian very mathematical actually, so we're there. Basquiat very um, anarchic in a way, if you will, like with his graffitis and also his paintings and everything. Um, also a lot of self portraiture that, 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 you know, of him. And then you have Monet who is like this romantic impressionist. So I think all three of them, they, they have a whole broad, broad, uh, width of, of, of works and, and, and outlooks in a way. So it's, 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 it's very nice to, to, to hear you have these different influences. And when you look at, when I look at your art, I can, I can feel that. Um, I would like to know also because when we talk about abstract art and uh, and mathematics, and we said this in our prep call already, like there was a very strong movement going out from Ukraine, actually, from Kazmir Malevich and his uh, black square on white ground, right? I mean, this is something that uh, that influenced minimal art and op art and, and a whole lot of other ranges of art for a long time, I think still does. And he's Ukrainian, even though Malevich is very often sold to us in the West, I would say, with a broad brush, as a Soviet artist, right? Where the great big misunderstanding is already happening. In order to stay true to our conversation and to point out that life isn't as binary as we would like to have it, it is very well worth visiting Malevich's Wikipedia entry and especially the paragraph that is dedicated alone to his ethnicity and identity. And also through his life and analyzing his life, it is very clear what Guyane and I were talking about before, the multi-ethnicity and the different political influences that have shaped Ukraine to this day. And let me apologize in advance for butchering the Ukrainian and Polish names that are featured in this paragraph. I will do the best I can, but it's definitely not going to be as good as it should be. So my apologies. 
Malevich's family was one of the millions of Poles who lived within the Russian Empire following the partitions of Poland. Kazimir Malevich was born near Kiev on lands that had previously been part of the Polish-Lithuanian Commonwealth of parents who were ethnic Poles. Both Polish, Ukrainian and Russian were native languages of Malevich, who would sign his artwork in the Polish form of his name as Kazimierz Malevich. In a visa application to travel to France, Malevich claimed Polish as his nationality. French art historian Andrei Nakov, who re-established Malevich's birth year as 1879 and not 1878, has argued for restoration of the Polish spelling of Malevich's name. In 1985, Polish performance artist Spigniew Warpechowski performed citizenship for a pure feeling of Kazimierz Malevich as an homage to the great artist and critique of Polish authorities that refused to grant Polish citizenship to Kazimierz Malevich. In 2013, Malevich's family in New York City and fans founded the not-for-profit The Rectangular Circle of Friends of Kazimierz Malevich, whose dedicated goal is to promote awareness of Kazimierz's Polish ethnicity. Russian art historian Irina Vakar gained access to the artist's criminal case and found that in some documents Malevich specified his nationality as Ukrainian. Most academic literature and museum collections identify Malevich as a Russian painter based on the fact that he achieved prominence while working in Russia. However, in the 2010s, and especially after the Russian invasion of Ukraine in 2022, so this is what we talked about as well, there was a strong push to reconsider this identification. In particular, there was pressure from some Ukrainian parties to instead list Malevich as Ukrainian painter. This push resulted in the Metropolitan Museum of Art relabeling him as Ukrainian painter and later Stedelijk Museum in Amsterdam labeling him as Ukrainian painter of Polish origin. The relabeling caused a backlash from Russia, including a statement of the Ministry of Foreign Affairs. However, the consensus among art historians, including those of Ukrainian origin, is that whereas the discussion related to the Russian colonialism clearly needs to take place among all involved parties. So that means many other artists as well. It has not yet occurred and the question concerning the identity of Milevich has not been solved as of 2023. Wikipedia end. So now you know the rough outlines of the current conversation discussion around uh, cultural attribution of Malevich and also Ukrainian artists in general, I believe. Uh, I think following this podcast, you have a very good idea of what my opinion and my position is in this. Um, but regardless of that, I think it is incredibly important to have these conversations, these ongoing discussions, because to accept the status quo falls nothing short of the reiteration of the Russian narrative that Ukraine is no more than a Russian satellite. I'm just saying that because I would like to go a little more into depth into Ukrainian art with you. If there is anything in Ukrainian art especially also that has motivated you, that has served as an inspiration for you. And if you can share that with us. In Ukrainian art, uh, I would say... Um, I was working um, like helper of art curator and um, I uh, was too far from Ukrainian, like really very Ukrainian uh, painters of 20th century. But then when I saw their paintings and one of them uh, was Yuri Himich, uh, and uh, I saw his paintings, and I'm like, wow, what 
were a pure um, expression of nature, not just colors and also um, composition. Uh, and also at the same time, uh, I just wanted to say that um, I have a very good friend of mine who is artist, and um, his name is um, Mikola Gancharov. He's quite famous artist, Ukrainian. And mm-hmm. uh, um, I have thoughts a lot about, about reality and abstract and uh, this stuff. I was trying to understand abstract art uh, more and more and more deeply to express myself better. And then I just see the sign on his, um, it was just one sentence of a famous artist, but not Ukrainian. Um, his name is Morandi and Giorgio Morandi. And uh, it was uh, written, nothing is more abstract than reality. So I've come across like, that. I've seen that somewhere. Yes, yeah, yes. This is what I was to- thinking about. And his, I mean, his expressions, uh, literally his expressions, I mean, just the sentence, this is mean. What I was thinking about this, like about uh, during these two years and uh, talking about Ukrainian artist Yuri Himich uh, with all the shapes uh, colorful shapes and everything because he was using shapes to express himself, not strokes, because impressionists use strokes, but he was using shapes. It was like mm. so abstract, but at the same time, it cre- it was the creation of realistic picture of the nature and, by the way, uh, Kiev architecture. He he was living in Kiev and he was um, painting um, Ukrainian Kiev architecture, all the churches, all this stuff. So he, he married abstraction and figurative painting in a way. Could I put it yeah. that way? That is yeah. amazing. I, yeah. I have never heard of him. I, I, I'm definitely going to check it out. Um, I will link to that, of course, as well. I have to always point that out, but I think most listeners will know by now that usually they find everything in the show notes. Um, they're amazing. Um, I can't wait to see that. Um, can can you give us a bit of an idea also of of the Ukrainian art world as it is as it was before the war? Maybe I'm sure things are changing. Maybe have changed also uh, through oh, yeah. the war. Mm-hmm. Um, how was it before then? Is it like a tightly knit community? Is it more loosely bound? How would you describe it? Give us just a bit of an an impression for someone who doesn't know, like me. <laughs> Ukraine has a lot of beautiful artists. Uh, very strong masters of the brush and um, and um, Ukraine's market I mean art market is not so involved unfortunately to um, world art market I think because of the history because of the Russian because of the Russia and Soviet Union and everything but for example for the last 20 years um, I understand that Ukraine has a lot of these kind of masters and they are not represented in many museums like Russians, for example, like Russian uh, masters and painters. And um, 
Ukraine was uh, the country who was trying to uh, to be in that uh, world art market, yes. And uh, when war has started, I mean, the full invasion started, uh, all of the artists had opportunity. Um, I don't know, it's so... Mm, it's bad to say because, uh, like, because of the war, they had the opportunity, you know, because war doesn't give opportunities. But at the same time, because of the war, a lot of people outside the Ukraine, they um, they wanted to understand what is happening in Ukraine, what was the yes. country of Ukraine, yes, and everything, and about culture and people and uh, language. So um, Ukrainians, because of the war, almost all the Ukrainian artists started to express themsel- themselves, uh, express everything about their thoughts about war through the art. And a lot of them had um, and still have exhibitions and everywhere and in Ukraine and outside of the Ukraine. And um, I would say that Ukrainian um, art world became stronger because um, we understand and Ukrainians understand that um, we are... Uh, we are powerful, not just uh, in the way of our being independent and also in in art. So it gives some mm, some energy to ha- to express themselves more than they were doing before. That is. I mean, we said it earlier, right? To talk of opportunities while bombs are being dropped and rockets are being launched and people are dying is is difficult. Nonetheless, I believe it is also one of life's truths is that there's opportunity everywhere also in the in the deepest crises and 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 even when humanity itself feels at stake sometimes. So this is just how it is. I think that is a very good development in this in that sense though because i was in berlin actually this weekend um because i had was also part of a group exhibition it was just on the on the weekend so i also met a lot of people and it was very nice and i met an old friend of mine who now works for the berlin ensemble the theater uh greetings to ingo by the way it was very nice seeing you um and he told me that they but the berlin ensemble is one of the greatest theaters or the biggest theaters and greatest theaters i think he would agree in germany and um and he also said that they are working a lot more with Ukrainian uh, artists, Ukrainian um, performance, Ukrainian uh, theater, because they realized there was an overrepresentation also of Russian art everywhere, like whether it's music, whether it's it's theater. So where this whole narrative of Russian narrative that is now serving as the pretense to the war was very eagerly taken up by Europe, you know, the Western world, if you will, um, and that caused a lot of bad decisions, right? So at least there is an awareness of that now and a consciousness. And I think especially also the cultural world is trying to rectify some of the like, like the gross negligence that was happening there before the time. Um, And that's, that's great to know and great to hear. And you are confirming that. So I'm, that is, one of the opportunities that is rising out of it. Absolutely. 
So I was also going to ask you, what's the impact of the war on Ukrainian artists? I mean, other than obviously one of the, it is without a doubt going to be a very strong narrative and recurring theme probably in Ukrainian art is the war because usually art answers to um, to societal calls and, and challenges. Um, but what else? Um, what what do you, what else do you think could be the impact besides what we just discussed? I think art helped a lot to um, to express uh, not just uh, feelings uh, of artists, but also uh, to express to show the history, yeah. which is which is uh, very good. Yes, because it it was happening many many years ago and thousands of years thousand years ago. So uh, every time uh, when something is happening in Ukraine, when Russia fighting Ukraine, uh, a lot of artists just making sketches about what happened, not just photo, because. Um, I think making uh, sketches, paintings, and other different kind of uh, art um, really helps to show the connection between history and uh, art. Yes. Yeah. I'm I'm yeah. very much looking forward to that already. I think that's a that's a that's a very very interesting outlook. Yes, um, because. As someone who has been reading up on Ukrainian history, it is an incredibly interesting history, incredibly rich. Um, so the more we get of that, um, you know, the more we can learn, I think the, the more it will benefit us because I really believe that there's a lot to learn uh, from Ukraine and 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 just the not the least of which is also, as we discussed earlier, how um, how Ukraine can show us if we unite behind an idea like peace and freedom and independence, it brings cultures together and therefore the you know your own personal right. echo chambers yeah. are increased um so i i you know speaking of culture this is one of the questions i always want to ask as well because i believe that culture and art um is a way of finding solace in special especially in times of need uh horror terror when things are are not going well, which is probably the understatement of the year right now. I apologize, but um, what is it for you? Do you have anything, any any artwork, any? And this can be anything, right? I always ask. It doesn't have to be a painting. It can also be like borscht, for instance. You know, if I eat a, a portion of borscht, I just feel better. Anything like that. What is your go-to Ukrainian cultural asset? Uh, so for me, when war has started, I couldn't uh, make any art. Because I was so worried about uh, my uh, about my niece, who is also three, four years old, uh, little girl, and I was worried about my friends, about my parents. So I couldn't do, I couldn't make any art stuff. But uh, I have a lot of thoughts, a lot of uh, I don't know ideas in my head, and also um, I was waiting so much for spring. It was February, and every time, every time in the end of uh, uh, winter, I'm waiting for spring and waiting for um, I don't know this blooming and this sunny uh, weather and everything. And uh, 
I was too much to eat, you know, about this reading. I was too much into this. But war has started. And at the same time, I was worried about uh, everyone. And I couldn't do anything. Uh, I couldn't make any stuff. And I was like, after two months in the end of April, when I came back to Kiev, I was full of ideas. So I wanted to express myself finally, because I saw my parents, I saw my niece, I saw a lot of my friends, they're okay, everyone is alive. Uh, and okay, now I can express myself better. Now I can have my place because I couldn't find peaceful place. It's it's difficult. Yeah. Yes. And I just okay, doesn't matter anything. I just wanted to I just wanted to create. And first of first uh artwork was the flower and the bullet uh inside of this part of the flower. And the second one was uh do you remember in March when they um fired um the hospital in Mariupol? And there was a, a girl with baby. She was preg- She was pregnant. Yes, pregnant. And then I, I, I guess she had a baby. I saw her like an angel, with uh, this uh, blooming leaves, because she had she had a blanket, blanket. And I, I thought this blanket looks like uh, blooming leaves. You know. And I had the painting of this girl, like an angel, and um, the background was fire. And I, I had the thought that she's, she's Ukraine. She is about to bloom, but she has, uh, she's in fire, you know. And I call it uh, Ukraine uh, in fire. And finally, I expressed myself. <laughs> and also... After that, I had, before the war, I had a lot of ideas, a lot of ideas, but I understood that, okay, it's war, what I'm going to do and all this stuff. And when we had blackouts, uh, I decided finally leave everything, like thoughts about future and just create now, just create, create. And I um, created a series of artworks which also about equilibrium but they call nets and also a big dream of mine uh, was to create uh, sculptures and I was so so inspired about that and doesn't matter I was thinking like oh my god who knows what I will where I will be tomorrow Maybe I'm not going to leave tomorrow, you know, who knows? So I won't I won't just create these sculptures because I was dreaming about, I don't know, two years about this. So I also created two sculptures, one series of artworks, Equilibrium Net, and these two artworks about um about war. And I have also another. So um I make a, I made a lot of uh, a lot of artworks. So it uh, inspired me. I, I saw the sculptures and, you know, they're very beautiful. And I, I, I find especially beautiful how they correspond to your paintings as well. And when I when I earlier asked you just about your paintings, yes, I did not mention the sculptures and they're very beautiful in their own right. But it's it's just beautiful how they 
extend, you know, out of the canvas, mm. how they become something something of their own right and are nonetheless fully integrated with the rest of it. It's very beautiful. Very, very beautiful. Oh, thank you. Uh, by the way, thank I can you. only recommend, I will obviously link to your website um, as well, and everybody should go there because it's a very beautiful website with a lot of beautiful artwork and also the landing video. Uh, is just showing you at work. It's like this this abstract video of you painting. It's it's really beautiful. You right away get a very good impression of of how you work um, and 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 how you how you do it. It's it's like dance. It's it's beautiful. So really go check it out. Um, it'll be in the show notes. Um, is there anything also like do you anything any Ukrainian um, piece of music any ukrainian film anything that that uh, that means a lot to you that you feel um, that you feel yourself returning to um throughout your life uh, there is one song uh of a ukrainian composer i don't remember the i remember the music but i don't of remember course. the name <laughs> <laughs> but that's how it no. should be that's how it should be I'm very bad at names, but I'm good at feelings. <laughs> oh. Look, if you can't think of it now, don't worry. Um maybe we yeah, can you can remember. you can you can look it up later um, and I will I will link I to it. I would love to share the link because it's yeah. such a beautiful, such a beautiful composition and it's classical yes. composition. Um oh, can't remember. <laughs> Never mind. I will. Okay. I will. Yeah. I will. I will ask you again uh, after this, and then I will just link to it, and I will have it under the headline: Guyanese um, beautiful song, something like that. You will find it. It cannot be mistaken. Never mind. I'll come up with something. Um, now, in closing, actually, because um, I because time is just flying by as always. My word, amazing how quickly time goes by. Um, Ori, one hour twenty two. So I also want to let you go because there have already been people been knocking on your door. I mean, really. Um, so uh, I would like to first of all go into your teaching, your painting, your teaching painting online, yeah. right? So for anyone yeah. who has listened to this today and has gone like, well, I would like to really meet this this amazing artist and maybe get a couple of tips and and, and everything, uh, that's possible. So um, tell me, how did that start and and um, and how is it ongoing now? Um, it started when war has started. Uh, I understand okay. that a lot of a lot of kids. Uh, I also teach kids painting. Uh, need something that uh, will relax their mind and I wanted to help kids. And uh, I was trying to do it online and I understand, okay, it's possible. It's very difficult to teach kids and adults online, really very difficult. It's not a lesson of, I don't know, of math or literature, it doesn't matter. But teaching arts online is difficult. So uh, I started doing that. And uh, I understand that it's possible and uh, I can help people. And also, beside of this, uh, I had, I still have um, a student from, uh, from London and I teach her some, of, um, some, okay, uh, some style of abstract art and I teach her painting portrait online and this is how uh we work together and it helps it helped us to help other people so all money raised from this 
um, lessons uh, I uh, gave to um, families with kids or just uh, about some some things, I don't know, food or stuff for kids they need and just send it to them. That's amazing. So not only will someone be meeting you and can brush up on their artistic skills, their painting skills or whatever they want to do, um, but they are actually also doing something good with the money. It's, yeah. it's really yeah. going to people that need it and it helps them um, very much. So that that's a wonderful idea. That's a great idea. I think, I hope that a lot of people listening to this will be like, that sounds like something for me. Um, that's really, also usually I, I, I finish with Ukraine aid, you know, but this is, I'm going to leave it at this. This is if people want to do something useful and if they have, you know, a couple of uh, euros left over or whatever currency you're thinking of, um, get in touch with Guyane. Uh, link will be in the description as well. Um, yeah, in you. closing, I would like to ask you something because I, I really, I, I find your name incredibly beautiful. Gayane Arushanyan. It's like, it's like, uh, it's, it's really poetry to me and saying is very nice. I know it sounds like I'm the biggest suck up in the world, but I really feel that way. <laughs> um, I wanted to know, does it, does it have a meaning actually? Does your name have a meaning like Gayane? Um, yeah. Gayane, um, from Armenian, it translates like the woman who keeps the fire. All right. But, but yeah, but this name comes from Persian. Okay. And, also, um, Gayane was um, a person, a woman who left Persia and who came to Armenia and um, recognized Christianity yeah. somehow. Okay. But also, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm researching, I'm still researching everything <laughs> about it. <laughs> Not just because, you know, it's... Uh, it's my name, also because it's interesting. I like etymology of everything. So Absolutely, also, I relate. Yeah, also there is a name, um, Indian name, uh, Gaia, Gaia, Gaia. It's yeah. the goddess of Earth. Yes. So it's also, also there's a Greek goddess called Gaia, if I'm not mistaken. Gaia Greek? is also Greek. Yes, I think I think wasn't she the wife of Kronos? Wow. Now I'm I'm throwing a whole lot of stuff around as well. Gaia, I Gaia, do Gaia. think so, though. Yes. Um, it's so connected. I think it's yes. so connected. Maybe it's Greek yet, but also it comes from uh, India. Somehow it's connected with uh, India. I know a lot of connections. <laughs> That's why I understand that everything is so mixed. <laughs> And of course I got it wrong, but I was kind of close. Gaia is, uh, and this is the Wikipedia entry, by the way. In Greek mythology, Gaia is the personification of the earth and one of the Greek primordial deities. Gaia is the ancestral mother of all life. And she is the mother, not the wife, of Uranos, the sky, from whose sexual union she bore the titans, who Kronos was a part of. So for all the rest, and there is a lot, just click the link in the show notes and you will find a lot more information on her. But definitely worth checking it out. And with that little mythological excursion, let's jump back into the final part of Guyanese and my conversation. <laughs> We've, we finished on this note. I think The Woman Who Brings Fire is a fantastic name for you. Um, much deserved. It was a great pleasure. 
um, to have you aboard the Yellow Van today. Thank you for sharing all your insights, uh, for taking the time. And I think for me, I learned a lot. And, uh, and, and at the end of the day, to me, that's all that matters. And I'm sure if I do, some of the other listeners will have too, I hope. Thank you so much. I was so, so, so happy to share. Uh, and I, th I guess my uh, inspiration with you and with all who is going to listen in this beautiful podcast. Thank you so much, Kayane. I wish you all the best um, and we'll stay in touch. I hope that we meet in person one point or the other, maybe in Ukraine. It would be a great pleasure and privilege for me. All the best. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. All the best to you and all of, all of the people around the world. <laughs> And with this, we're at the end of this week's ride in the yellow van. Thank you so much for coming along with us again today. And thank you, Gayane, for your trust in me and the work we do at Mind the Bump Productions, for your stories and for your insights. The links to her work are in the show notes. And if you are interested in meeting Gayane's virtual self, check out her online art lessons, which you can find, I'm sure you guessed where. If you are Ukrainian and would like to come on the show, or if you know someone who should, please don't hesitate to contact us. We are happy and grateful for anyone reaching out to us on www.yellowvanstories.com, where you can also leave us your general feedback or ideas for improvements. I'm sure some things will come to mind. We hope to welcome you back next time. Until then, keep loving in the face of fear and stand with Ukraine. Take it away, Jim. But my message is clear Keep loving in the face of fear